Hi, this is Kale Clark. Welcome back to the Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio mobile app. And I hope you're digging our new theme song. I really like it. Hope you do too. Hey, we're going to continue on with our letter to the Romans by St. Paul, the most important letter that's ever been written. It's so crucial to understanding our faith, and it is a challenge, but we are taking it apart piece by piece and making it hopefully understandable. As I need to learn this uh, just as well as you do, we all need to heed the words of St. Paul. So let's pick up the text where we left off in chapter 1. And this is, again, his prayer of thanksgiving, uh, starting with verse 8. First, he, he writes, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that, Somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brethren, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Okay, let's stop it there for, for just a moment. So at the end of the last episode, we, we sort of touched on what Paul had learned here about prayer. He had often desired to go to Rome. That was his big plan, but his plans were Foiled. God had other plans. And so one of the things that we, we, we learn here about this that we can pick up on is that even St. Paul had experienced delays in, in getting prayers answered. God always answers prayer. We always have to keep that in mind. But his answer is either yes, no, or maybe wait, wait, or I'm going to answer it maybe a different way, in, in, in a way that you're not necessarily expecting. So Paul had always wanted to go to Rome for, for reasons which we've talked about, but he was, he was a little bit frustrated. He mentions this in, in verse 13 uh, from that little section that we just read in chapter 1. He says, I want you to know, brethren, I've often intended to come to you, but thus far I've been prevented. Some of that was in his control and some of it wasn't. And so the second thing that we need to learn from this, you know, and Stephen Cole mentions this, is that God often answers our prayers through these delays or roundabout ways that we don't necessarily envision when we pray. He's got a better way, a, a more enlightened way, and that, that is no surprise, or it shouldn't be a surprise to us, because what, what does the Old Testament tell us? My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're always higher. God's ways are always higher than our ways. His thoughts are always, as he's omniscient, you would expect that, are better than our thoughts. And, and we've got to just roll with that, and we've got to trust him. So the way that, obviously Paul did get to Rome, so his prayer was answered, but it was in God's way, and it wasn't a straight-line path. It was a little bit like the Israelites wandering aimlessly through the wilderness because they had lessons to learn about faith and trust in God. Straight shot. Uh, out of Egypt to the promised land was a lot shorter, but that's not the way that things actually went. 
So for Paul, he got into um, some issues in Jerusalem, and, and obviously he, he, he needed to go to Jerusalem first for various reasons. He wanted to uh, take a collection there. There's all sorts of things that he wanted to do. But he got uh, kind of framed, if you will. He was accused of bringing Gentiles into the temple precincts. And there was this court of the Gentiles, and there's a famous inscription that's been found. I've seen it with my own eyes at the Israel Museum in Jerusalem, that says, if a Gentile goes past this point, it is upon pain of death. In other words, if they kill you, and the Romans were cool with this, by the way, the occupying Romans said, hey, you're, you're allowed to keep your own laws concerning the temple. So if a Gentile was brought past this point in the temple, there's the court of the Gentiles, couldn't go past there, they would kill that person. And so Paul was accused of bringing Gentiles past this point maybe in disguise. It wasn't the case. It didn't actually happen. But that didn't uh, stop his enemies from getting him arrested, uh, almost killed. And he spent, this leads to him spending more than two years in federal custody, if you will. He's in Caesarea and he's in prison. And one of the reasons why he stays there is just because the capriciousness of the governor, Felix. So let, let's check out what it says here. In Acts chapter 24, Felix, he knows a lot about the Catholic Christian faith called the way at that point. And he kind of delays Paul's case. He says, when Lysias the Tribune comes down, then I will decide your case. And he, is, he does show Paul some kindness. It says he gave orders to the centurion that Paul should be kept in custody, but should have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. And then we see him Acts chapter 24, verse 24, it says, After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as Paul argued about justice and self-control and future judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present moment. When I have an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. But when two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. So it seems like an absolutely wasted couple of years, 24 months for St. Paul as he's in prison in Caesarea. And Felix, who's kind of disingenuous, he, he, I don't know, he thinks maybe Paul has cash or maybe his followers have cash. He's hoping that Paul will at some point say to him, is there any way I can buy myself out of this mess, Felix? And that, that day never happened. But he would call for Paul and he would have him preach. This reminds me an awful lot of, of Herod uh, listening to the preaching of John the Baptist, even though he was an adulterer and he had done a lot of terrible things. He liked to, to listen to John. There was something in him that was like, you know, there's something about this message, but I'm not willing to, to adhere to it or become obedient to it right now. And so Felix calls for Paul, and Paul would preach to him about justice, self-control, the future judgment that's coming. And it would shock Felix. He'd be alarmed. He'd say, oh, I want to hear about this now. Just go away, and I'll call you when I need you again. And so from time to time, he would bring him back and chat. But at the end of the day, and maybe this is one of the hidden purposes of God. Who knows? Maybe Felix repented uh, on his deathbed. We will find out in eternity, I guess. But but Paul is preaching to, <laughs> I guess you could say, he, might, he was probably saying, I may be a captive here, 
but I have a captive audience in Felix, and he's the only guy I can preach to right now, but I'm going to take advantage of this. And this is what we have to do in our situations as well. We may not be exactly where we think we should be, and we may be in a situation that's tough, but we've got to make use of what we can while we're there. In, in the mess that we're in, we can still be of service to God and to other people. We, we just have to be creative about it. And yeah, from a human perspective, it doesn't make any sense. Why, why didn't God arrange things so that Paul wasn't wasting two years of his life? But he did the best he could with it. And I just think there's a lot of application to our own lives here. So Paul's plan to go to Rome didn't exactly work out the way that he thought it would, but it was all in a different way. God, God had other plans. And so after this this imprisonment here, and he has to eventually appeal to Caesar using his Roman citizenship to, to, get, to get out of this jam, this is how he eventually gets to Rome. In Acts chapter 25, he appeals to Caesar. He gets his case. He's like, I'm appealing to Rome here. So they send him to Rome, and that's how he gets there. But even that, even then, even then, he gets shipwrecked. He, he barely escapes with his life. He has to spend the winter in Malta, and he finally goes there. So this was not exactly Paul praying and saying, Lord, send me to Rome, and, and our Lord saying, absolutely, let's do it right away. <laughs> In God's wisdom, it didn't work out that way. It wasn't God's will for Paul. And, and this is another lesson that we have to, to take heed to. Whenever we pray, even if it's for something good, even when it's for something that we know is God's will, it has to be done according to his will. Thy will be done in his way, in his time. Now, here's an, I can't resist sharing this with you as well. One of the things that happened to Paul along the way happened in Acts 21. Before all of this happened, all, all this mess that Paul got himself in, it seems like people were trying to warn him to go another way. And I think sometimes pe God sends people into our lives to just, God speaks through, through these people to us. And in Acts chapter 21, even Luke himself, who writes the Acts of the Apostles, he's traveling with Paul at this point. Even he doesn't want Paul to, 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 to go down to Jerusalem because he knows there's a good, good chance bad things are going to happen to him. So listen to this. This happens in Caesarea. This is in Acts chapter 21, starting with verse 10. While we were staying for some days, Luke's writing, we, okay, so he's there with Paul. While we were staying for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, and Luke is, okay, so Luke's there. He's part of the crowd here. When we heard this, we and the people there begged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, The will of the Lord be done. So, Let's stop there for a second. So essentially, Paul has freedom, obviously. And, and this prophet, it's really interesting. He's speaking by the Holy Spirit. Thus says the Holy Spirit. This is what's going on here. Paul, give me your belt. This sorry, ties himself up with it. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to become a prisoner if you go down there. And 
And maybe Paul's saying, bring it on. <laughs> maybe God was saying, eh, you know, there's another way we could do this. But nonetheless, and this is the interplay, the mysterious interplay between the will of God and human freedom. St. Paul says, I'm willing to die for Christ. I don't really care what happens to me. So, so, But the plan gets accomplished. God's will does get done. Paul eventually does get to Rome in a very, very roundabout way. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. It's our series on Romans. Can you handle the truth? I'm your host, K.L. Clark. All right. So with all of that in mind, one of the questions that comes up naturally through this is that Sometimes when we pray, we ask for things that, that are good things in accordance with God's will. And our, and our prayers are, are, we're praying for the right things. How come sometimes those prayers don't get answered? Well, Dr. James Montgomery Boyce, a biblical scholar, in his commentary on Romans, he suggests three reasons why sometimes these prayers don't always get answered or in the way that we want. The first thing he says is that, Unanswered prayer may be God's way of teaching us that we are not as necessary to the work that we are praying for as we think we are. So in this, in this way, Paul, God might have even been teaching Paul a subtle lesson. Now, Paul was the great apostle, the great evangelist, one of the greatest saints of all time. And Paul wanted so many times on so many occasions to get to Rome. And it might have been kind of shocking to him that they were actually doing okay, even though he wasn't there. Would they have been better off if he was there? Probably, because he has so many gifts and teachings to, to give to them. But maybe Paul somehow needed to be reminded of this lesson, that God didn't need even Paul to get his work done. Now, he did use Paul, clearly. But we need to know, too, that you and I are not indispensable. God invites us to participate in his work in spreading the gospel, but the work's going to get done whether we choose to partner with him or not. So let's let's try to stay online with him, but but be very humble about this, understanding that we, we're we not the, the big players here. It's the Holy Spirit who's the big player in getting God's program done. Second thing that Dr. Boyce said is that one of the reasons why God may not answer these prayers of ours, even if they're good things, maybe in the way we think he should, is that he might have other work for us to do. He might have other things he wants for us to do at this time. So don't forget, even when he was in Caesarea, even when he was shipwrecked on Malta, all of these delays, Paul made use of these times to do what he could do, to preach to the people that he... And, and this is part of God's overall plan for the world. Paul preaching to Felix and Festus and all these others. This was part of the plan. And again, if he did get to Rome when he wanted to, we probably wouldn't have this letter to the Romans, which has changed the world. So God always makes use of it. And the last thing that Dr. James Montgomery Boyce says about this is that there may be spiritual warfare of which you and I are unaware. There may be another reason why our prayers don't get answered right away or in the way that we want. In, in, the, in the book of the prophet Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, there's a very, very illuminating passage in which an angel, and some people say it's Gabriel, some people say it's another angel, explains to the prophet, hey, I would have answered your prayer quicker, but I kind of got delayed. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 10, now Dan, Daniel has this, this vision, this incredible vision, and he says, 
starting with verse 10, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, give heed to the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Now, why was he delayed? We'll, we'll see here. Verse 13, the angel says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael one of the chief princes came to help me, so I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia and came to make you understand what is to befall your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. Okay, let, let's stop there for a second. It's a, a, an incredible passage and in, in an incredible book, the book of the prophet Daniel. So the angel says to Daniel, hey, from the very first moment that you started to pray, you're greatly beloved by God. And God wants to give you an answer to your prayer. But guess what? I have, I've come in with the answer, but I got stopped. This evil character, probably a demon, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he says he fought with me for 21 days you know, in the heavenly realms. But Michael, and that's obviously St. Michael the archangel, says came to help me. So Michael starts fighting this, this demon, if you will, and says to the good angel, hey, hey, I've got him occupied right now. Get out of here. Slip out the back. Go to Daniel. Okay, I'll, I'll keep this guy busy. So it's just a kind of an insight into the spiritual warfare that's going on around us all the time. So th there, there may be another element that we don't fully understand or appreciate when it comes to uh, these answers to prayer. And I think Paul experienced all of this stuff in his career. In Ephesians chapter 6, he knows full well about spiritual warfare. He writes about it, the armor of God. You've got to put it on and wear it and use it. Armor doesn't do any good sitting in a closet. So read Ephesians chapter 6 for more on that. Okay, we've got to drop it right here for now when it comes to Romans. But in our next episode, we're going to be looking at the GPS of the whole letter. There's a couple of verses in chapter 1 that sets the tone for everything that is to come, for everything that we're going to encounter. And it's really the key to understanding the entire letter. So we'll have that in the next episode of The Faith Explained. I'm Kale Clark, your host, but don't go away yet. We've got right now a question and answer segment. Let's do it. Okay, as we begin our mailbag Q&A segment on Faith Explained, I want to remind you that you can send me your question. I'll try to get it on air. The email address is faith at relevantradio.com, F-A-I-T-H at relevantradio.com. You can also try me on Twitter. My handle is at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Try to get your question to me that way. And this question comes via email. And it comes from Alan in Atlanta, Georgia, who's listening on the Relevant Radio app. And he asks the question, Hi, Kale, I've got a question about the temptation of Jesus in the gospel. Did the devil actually know that Jesus was God? That's actually a really intriguing question, Alan. A really intriguing question. And it's actually not as, as clear-cut as people think. People, I think, just naturally assume that, of course, the devil knows that Jesus is divine. That's why he's trying to tempt him. Not necessarily. In fact, um, I read an article by uh, John Cavadini from, from Notre Dame, the early church writer Origen. And, and he talked about 
the divine mystery of the marriage of Mary, ever virgin, and St. Joseph. And this is what Origen said. This is a quote from Origen here. He said, quote, I found an elegant statement in the letter of a martyr. I mean Ignatius, the second bishop of Antioch after Peter. During a persecution, he fought against wild animals at Rome. He stated this, Mary's virginity escaped the notice of the ruler of this age. It escaped his notice because of Joseph and because of their wedding. End of quote. That's an intriguing quote. Now, obviously, uh, Origen is referring to St. Ignatius of Antioch, one of my favorite saints of all time, who was martyred uh, in the Roman Colosseum in the gladiator fights. He was thrown to the wild beasts. Uh, the Bishop of Antioch, but but he was a disciple of the Apostle John Ignatius. He learned from the guy who was right next to Jesus. Unbelievable stuff. But that's an interesting quote from from Origen that Mary's virginity escaped the notice of the ruler of this age. Now, this, the ruler of this age obviously is a way of referring to the devil. Now, in Cavadini's article, he kind of expands on this a little bit. Basically, says that all right, Origen keeps thinking about this, keeps pondering the mystery of St. Joseph. And because he's there, because he's Mary's husband, the devil does not suspect that the Savior has actually taken on a body. He, the devil doesn't think the incarnation actually happened because of St. Joseph. He's thinking this child is just their natural child that they had together. And then Origen kind of connects all this with what St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 6 through 8. This is what Paul says. We speak wisdom among the perfect, but not the wisdom of this age or the wisdom of the rulers of this age. They are being destroyed. We speak God's wisdom hidden in a mystery. None of the rulers of this age knows it. If they had known it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. So that's that's really interesting. And so Cavadini says that this is part of the wisdom of God, the marriage of Mary and Joseph, the logic of the incarnation. He calls it the logic of God's philanthropia. It's a logic of foolishness at one level because it's invisible to the ruling powers. It's invisible to the evil spirits. Why? Because it doesn't make sense to them. It's foolishness. It's not wisdom. And so Origen basically said that without St. Joseph, the devil might have suspected a more than human origin for Jesus. And I thought, well, hold, hold on here. <laughs> this might be God in the flesh here. So the, the, the evil rulers of this age, not only the political powers, people like Pilate and, and, and Caiaphas, but their almost demonic backup, if you will, kind of orchestrating things as puppet masters, they never would have tried to do this if they, if they thought that the incarnation was real. So this is, this is a really intriguing thought. So Origen actually says that the devil, when he tempted Jesus, did not know who he was. And Jesus actually doesn't reveal his identity to him explicitly. And so Origen says that, that really, that is part of the temptation to reveal his identity. The devil's trying to get him to reveal who he is prematurely. And had they known that his identity, the rulers of this world would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Wouldn't have tempted him either. Why? Because this is God. You know, we, we're powerful, but not as powerful as him. He's going to smash us. So Jesus does not pull rank, if you will. 
That's how Cavadini puts it. That's a temptation in itself, right? Jesus lives and grows, struggles and wrestles with the temptations that everybody has to deal with. And he is, in fact, Origen calls him the great wrestler. You know, Jesus, who, forget about Hulk Hogan here, he's the great wrestler. He defeats the rulers of this age, not by exempting himself from temptation, but by taking it on. Conquering not by the abstract power of rank and identity. Basically, he could have said, I'm God, and you're defeated. Boom. And and everybody's sins are forgiven. We can all go home. But he didn't do it that way. He he took on a real battle, a real fight, as Cavadini puts it. And he says St. Joseph is very much a part of that wrestling. And uh, Origen had to reply to this guy named named uh, Celsus. And Celsus uh, was an anti-Christian, didn't believe in, in the divinity of, of Jesus. And Celsus basically says, there's no way Jesus can be God because his own dad couldn't even take care of him. He had, he had, to, he had to go into Egypt. He had to hide. You know, that, that's, that's not something a real God would do. Come on, it's ridiculous. But Origen says, no, 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 no. This is, this is part of how we know that the incarnation actually happened in history. God doesn't pull rank. He, he doesn't um, just say, okay, I, I am the God man, the God baby at this point, and, and everybody else, I'm just going to show my power in a miraculous way, and everybody who's trying to seek my life, you can get lost. He, he doesn't do that. He, he allows the flight to Egypt to happen. This is part of the great wrestler, part of his motif, part of his plan all along. This is a great, great mystery, and uh, I just think it's really, really powerful. Okay, so that, that's a great, great question. So thank you, Alan, for writing that in. And if you have a question, uh, you can also send it to me. The email address is faith at relevantradio.com, F-A-I-T-H at relevantradio.com, or find me on Twitter at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. You can catch me later today, live on Relevant Radio on the Kale Clark Show, 5 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio and the relevant radio app. Make sure you share the Faith Explained podcast, the Kale Clark Show podcast, and all our great shows with a friend. You can do it easily through the app, so make sure you go download it today. Until next time, I'm Kale Clark. God bless you.